So again, Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Who were two examples I gave a couple weeks ago? Remember? David, King David, and who else? Peter, the, the apostle of the Lord. Who, David, with his coveting his neighbor's wife, with the adultery with his neighbor's wife, with the murdering of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to make it look like, you know, when David took Bathsheba in and married her, looked like it was a legitimate child. For an entire year, David thought he got away with it. For an entire year, David was grieving the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he would not confess his sins, but most importantly, he would not use Jesus properly for the forgiveness of his sins. See, the Holy Spirit's all about that. Convicting you of your sin, and then pointing you or showing you Jesus who died for your sin, and you are to believe that. And David, for an entire year, was grieving the Holy Spirit. Thanks, thanks be to God, God sent a pastor to David named Nathan, who confronted him with his sin, and David said, I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan said, the Lord has put away your sin. And David trusted that, and now the grieving of the Holy Spirit ended with that episode. So it wouldn't end hellaciously. And then Peter denying our Lord, he was grieving the Holy Spirit, denying Jesus. But thanks be to God, Jesus restored him, forgave him. Peter trusted that and the grieving in it. Does that make sense? Now let's continue. Page three. Or page two on your sheet. Bottom of page two. <coughs> Thinking of Acts 2 again with the, the wind and the tongues of fire. Last paragraph. I know, I know. We desperately would see and experience what those first Christians experienced in Acts 2, namely wind and fire and languages. We think that would help us believe in Jesus more. If only we could hear the wind and see the tongues of fire. But I'm here to tell you it wouldn't. Jesus blesses those that do not see and yet believe. Remember Thomas, John 20? Blessed are those who believe and do not see. St. Paul says that after the ascension, we walk by faith rather than by sight. So page three, seeing is not believing, folks. Seeing is not believing. Faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. By the way, this is a side note. This is another thing. If you know your scriptures. Now, I have to give a caveat here. Can we do here in the fellowship hall? We have a screen. And I put things on keynote. So I make things visual, right? But the visual things I put on there are Bible passages or things that you will hear. See? So if you're going to use visuals, you need to make sure that things are being spoken so that people hear. So faith comes by hearing Romans 10, and the work of the Holy Spirit is then to preach and to broadcast Christ, or literally <laughs> poke the word of Jesus into our ears through the called and ordained preacher's mouth. Jesus says in John 15, check it out, He, the Spirit, will bear witness about me, namely Jesus. True or false now? The Holy Spirit's work is to proclaim the Holy Spirit. True or false? It's false. Now I'll do it again. According to John 15 and our Lord Jesus Christ, true or false? The Holy Spirit's work is to proclaim Jesus. That's true. So I'm going to clinch this point. This is really important. So you may go to a church week after week, month after month, year after year, and, th and this is to Mike's point that he made earlier. You can go to a church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, for years, and the preacher never preaches. Jesus died for you. 
Jesus rose for you, your sins are forgiven. Is the Holy Spirit at work? Nope. Because Jesus isn't being preached. Is that your point, Mike? Is that correct? Yeah, uh, you, you've experienced that yeah. personally. Okay. Well, I, I, my, my mother-in-law, I mean, she was, a, she was kind of like a Mennonite. Yeah. More or less, but she was saying to, to Sharon that, you know, I don't, I don't think that there was the Holy Spirit in this message or in, this, in the message that she was hearing, you know. And I couldn't understand it. And I'm not even sure that she really was able to you know, give it to Way I could understand because I'm a, you know, I don't know. Join but, the club. Yeah. So, so, but anyway, but she, you know, she can kind of like, there's something going on because there's, there's nothing, nothing preached that way, you know. So it's kind of obvious. And she was, what, 90 years old or whatever. Is that accurate, Sharon? Is he say, is he telling us the truth? Yeah, I can say more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say more? Well, I remember having a conversation with her, and I mean, she's a Christian. Yeah. That is, a, that, I'm glad you brought that up. Did you all hear what she just said? Now, she meant well. She was well-intentioned. But this is extreme, <clears throat> extremely dangerous. Why is that? And I'm going to repeat what you just told everybody for the record. We know what the gospel is. Now let's, I'll put words in our mouth. Now let's move on to other things. Would that be accurate? Now that is extremely dangerous because the gospel is not just for one time in my life. It is for every day of my life. I'm a sinner. I'm going to remain a sinner until I'm buried six feet under. And I need to hear this good news that Jesus died for me and my sins are forgiven every day. Not just once. So this is very dangerous. And thus, the preaching that goes on, in, if you operate with that fundamental an incorrect presupposition, then preaching and the life of the church changes completely. Thus, in many Missouri Synod congregations who, who essentially believe the same thing, well, we already know the gospel. Let's move on to something else. Guess what? Jesus doesn't get preached for the forgiveness of sins, and therefore, to piggyback on our point, guess who's not at work? The Holy Spirit ain't at work. So again, let me, let me clinch this point. According to John 15, and let's just read that next one, on the sheet where Jesus says in John 16, he, the spirit, will glorify me, namely Jesus, for he's going to take what's mine and he's going to declare it to you, which is to say the Holy Spirit will take what I earned for you here and he's going to declare it to you personally. And not just once in your life, but every day, every Sunday. Is that helpful? So again, when Paul exhorts the, the Ephesians and all of us in Ephesians chapter 4 not to grieve the Holy Spirit, you see, Sharon, what you described, well-intentioned, it said, was grieving the Holy Spirit. Because we already know that. Let's move on. But the Holy Spirit's work is to proclaim Christ. Now, again, you've all heard this a million times, but again, I can't help myself. It's to illustrate the point. So, again, when I was growing up before color television and only three channels... The NBC Nightly News or, the, you know, the, the local Scotts Bluff channel would be... Because, you know, we lived in Bridgeport, so we'd get the Scotts Bluff channels. 
<clears throat> so when the Scots, Scots Bluff NBC News was over, immediately, that's Doc Severinsen and the Tonight Show band playing the intro for the Tonight Show. Now, as they were playing their intro, there was this voice that you heard. You didn't see the face. But the voice was the voice of Ed McMahon. And Ed McMahon would then say, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. Tonight, Johnny, Johnny's guests are Milton Berle, Bob Hope, uh, Bing Crosby, blah, blah, blah. And then after the guest, then what would the voice say? And now here's Johnny. And out from the curtain, spotlight Johnny Carson, because he's the star of the show. Ed McMahon, his job, his one job, was to make sure that everybody's focus was on Johnny. He's the star of The Tonight Show. Johnny would do his monologue, cut for commercial. They'd, Johnny would be at his desk. Ed would be there on the couch. And whether or not Johnny was funny or not, Ed would laugh like a drunken sailor. Why? Because Johnny was the star of the show. So I want you now to think of the Holy Spirit in this way. The Holy Spirit is the Ed McMahon of the Holy Trinity. Jesus Christ is the star of the show. And the Holy Spirit, as Jesus says, is to bear witness about me and to glorify me. So again, the Holy Spirit is the Ed McMahon of the Holy Trinity. And then I want you to think of the last part of, verse, of the verse from uh, John uh, 16. The Holy Spirit will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. What Jesus means there is the Holy Spirit now is like the UPS or the FedEx delivery man of the Holy Spirit. He will take what is mine, what I earn for you here, and he's gonna declare it to you, he's gonna deliver it to you like the UPS delivery man. And finally, if I may continue with these analogies, there's other parts of scripture that speak of the Holy Spirit as sanctifying us, right? Holying us through the word of the gospel, the preaching of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit holying us is like the Mr. Clean then of the Holy Trinity, right? One final analogy, uh, piggybacking on the words that I have on your sheet, which Jesus says, bear witness about me, uh, um, glorify me. So the Holy Spirit now is the shy member of the Trinity. So you pretend I'm the Holy Spirit. Here's my job as the Holy Spirit. I'm shy, don't talk about me. I don't want you to focus on me, focus on him. So we grieve the Holy Spirit in the church when we don't preach Christ crucified and risen, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. If we, all we do Sunday after Sunday is Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit, and never preach Jesus, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't want that. Any comments or questions on this? I take offense to that drunken sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I stand corrected. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's continue then on page three. So we need to learn this well, what Jesus says. And so consequently then, the Holy Spirit works hiddenly in, with, and under the word written and preached. You won't find the Holy Spirit shining the spotlight on himself, but rather on Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is, as I just mentioned, the shy member of the Holy Trinity. And so in addition, as I just mentioned, he's like the UPS or FedEx delivery man of the Trinity, taking what Jesus has from the Father and delivering it to us through the Word. So tattoo this on your brain, to quote, uh, who's, the, who's the group, uh, Maroon 5, who uses this terminology, and, and heart, so that you will never forget it. Ladies over here, you know who Maroon 5 is, don't you? I'm really putting you on the spot. Taylor, Maroon 5? Uh, you're not gonna answer me, are you? 
Brian, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Well, now, our problem as LCMSers then is then to look for the Holy Spirit where he's not promised to be. And when we do that, we grieve him. In other words, if you want to find the Holy Spirit apart from the word and sacraments, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit because he only wants to be found in the word and the sacraments, which proclaim and give us Christ. Next paragraph. So we grieve the Holy Spirit when we seek him apart from the word. Now I'm going to make another point here. This is really important. I hope I haven't lost you. But in the 1500s, at the time of the Lutheran Reformation, I'm going to write the guy's name on the board. Thomas Winsor, German. <clears throat> Radical. I mean that negative way. Radical. Lived at the time of the Reformation, 1500s. Okay, got the time frame? Thomas Munster said this. The Holy Spirit speaks to me without any word of God. And the Lutherans were saying, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you say? Are you... So they clarified it with Munster. You're actually saying that the Holy Spirit, apart from the Bible, speaks to you personally. He said, yep. That's dangerous, folks, because then you're under a cult leader. You're a, seriously, you are. That's, that's the beginning of cults. I'm going to write another name on the board. I'm, don't, I've got another point to make with boots, or don't let me forget. Got one more. I'm going to write another name on the board. This is contemporary. I'm not sure if he's still alive. Robert Tilton, who had a television show called Success and then an N, Success in Life. And Robert Tilton, he would be, he'd be on his program, and he would be sitting there talking to the TV audience. And all of a sudden, he'd stop. And he, no joke, he'd go like this. And he's, now the Holy Spirit's just told me. Now this is all apart from the Bible. Now back to Munzer. So Munzer said, I don't need to read the Bible to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. The Holy Spirit speaks, speaks to me apart from the Bible. Got that point? So where does this lead, folks? What don't you need anymore? You don't need the Bible at all. But who do you need? You need Munzer. Try that out. It doesn't work. And if I'll just leave it. Do a Wikipedia search. They'll probably be accurate, but do a Wikipedia search of Thomas Munster and see where this led. Disaster. Lives lost. Pastor? Yes. Hey, Arthur, she was asked about her, uh, where she went to, uh, to get her information or training in, in uh, theology. And she said, I went to the school of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, which means yeah, apart no, from the word. No, no really uh, yep. ordained or anything. She just said, I, I, I went to uh, specifically a school right. of the Holy Spirit. This is, and this is grieving the Holy Spirit. You see how this works, folks? When K. Arthur says, I didn't need to, to read the Bible to hear what the Holy Spirit says. I just, the Holy Spirit speaks to me personally apart from the word. She's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's the irony. I hope this is helpful for you. Because we are awash in this in the United States. This is what the mainline stuff is all about. He's still alive. Tilton's still alive? How old is he? 77. Yeah. He's insane. He's, he's insane. I think he's satanic. Because seriously, if you don't need the Bible, 
then you are simply left with the preacher. And that ain't going to end well. That ain't going to end well. Okay, let me continue that on page three. So when we seek the Holy Spirit apart from the word, the scriptures, he's inspired. When we seek the Holy Spirit apart from baptism, you might say, well, what baptism, pastor? That's not the word of God. Oh, yeah, it is. Because what's the essence of baptism? Is it the water? No, you got to have water. But what is what what gives the water the power, if you will, if I can talk like that? What's the essence of baptism? It's the word. Lord's Supper. What's the essence of the Lord's Supper? The bread and wine? We've got to have bread and wine, but what's the essence of the Lord's Supper? The Word. That's why the pastor says the words to you, not to God in prayer. Back to what we were talking about earlier. Okay? And the faithful preaching of God's Word. These are the worded instruments that the Holy Spirit uses to work faith in the hearts of those who hear when and where He pleases. Now that's important. When and where the Holy Spirit pleases. Now what? Now my point is this. Is that when I preach the gospel, and we've got an unbeliever in our midst, I'm not in control of that conversion. The Holy Spirit is, through that word preached. And the Holy Spirit will convert when and where he pleases, through that word. Okay? That's very important. While the Spirit is not bound to any place, nor is he obligated to work whenever it suits us, we are bound, however, to look for him in the means he uses. The word of Holy Scripture, the preached word of forgiveness, the watery word of baptism, and in the word of the Lord's Supper. The Spirit always works through means, and apart from means, he has not promised to work. The true Pentecostal church, then, is the church that clings to the written word, to baptism, to absolution, to the faithful preaching of God's word, and to the faithful giving of the Lord's Supper. That's why in Acts 2, Acts 2, what's the clincher of Acts 2? What is it? It's the end of the chapter. Acts 2.42, where this congregation did what? They devoted themselves to four things. Do you remember this from catechism? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which would be to God's word. Because they learned it from God, so they wrote it down, God's word. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, that's the coming to church, to hear the word of God, the breaking of the bread, that's Luke's way of saying the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers. So you have the giving and then the... Any questions? You can read the rest of this on your own. Okay, Take this sheet home, read the rest of it. I don't want it, it's yours. And then next Sunday, I'm going to give you a sheet. I promised this weeks ago, and I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the ongoing reception of the Holy Spirit. Okay? In other words, you don't just receive the Holy Spirit once and you're done with him. There is an ongoing reception. I'll make that point next week. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer.